Father, we endeavor to allow you to live through us the way you want to. We give ourselves fully over to you, Lord. We want to hear what you want to tell us today. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So today I thought we'd talk about the blood. The the question, why blood, comes up. You know, why blood? And um, there are some good answers to that. Uh, I think we can can get a good understanding about the wisdom of God being so much higher than the wisdom of this world. Um, that's one of the reasons why blood, uh, because it's part of God's wisdom. There was something in the blood atonement that only God understood the um, revelation behind it. He was the only one who understood the power uh, behind it. Um, Satan had gotten so accustomed to shedding innocent blood that he mistook Jesus for an ordinary man and caused him to be put to death and did not recognize the holiness of his blood and the preciousness of his blood. And so as the blood of Jesus was spilled freely, just as it would be uh, spilled in the death of any other human being, the wisdom of God used that same blood to bring back the uh, human race from damnation and for Satan's power. And so sometimes ordinary acts that we commonly do when God's involved in them can have profound meaning, can have eternal meaning, actually. And so many times the wisdom that is so available to us, the ideas that are so available to us, uh, can really not be for our good. They can be for our detriment, especially if they run afoul of the wisdom of God. And so this is why God has given us access to himself so that we can participate and avail ourselves of his wisdom so that we can uh, rise above the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of darkness, the wisdom of the wicked one. We can can ride upon high places and we can overcome because of what his blood has done. And so we're going to talk about uh, the reasons for the blood atonement, what the blood entails. And so I kind of put down some scriptures, but also made some notes trying to prove a point here. So we'll we'll just roam around in here and, and see what we come up with, because it's it's just the the concept of blood atonement just runs so much throughout the whole bible it starts with uh, genesis with the first animal that was slain in genesis chapter 3 and then it it runs a thread a red thread throughout scripture and so uh, and and every time it's mentioned there's some new revelation there there's something there that god wants us to understand and capture uh, for our knowledge and for our understanding. And so it's just always good to to make note of these things mentally and, and meditate on them so that uh, whatever is there for you that's for your good and for your edification, your blessing, uh, you can grab on to it. Um, uh, so, so it's just good to always stay attentive to what, because he'll put it, he'll begin to, um, I always say he'll start filling in the blanks. He'll start putting mortar in the crevices, that kind of thing of, of some of the ideas that you already have from Scripture. So he's always putting that together for us. 
uh, and, and it's a good thing. So if you stay alert and attentive to the word, you'll find that it always has something in there for you that you perhaps didn't get the last time or didn't get it fully or you get a, uh, as your girl Oprah would say, an aha moment. But our ahas are spiritual. We're not just, you know what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, well, we call it quickening, you know, that God will quicken things to you and bring life to your spirit. So it's very different from ah. So, uh, but anyway, um, so why blood? So, so, um, the blood of Jesus was necessary. It was necessary. We have a history in the Bible of man dealing, of God dealing with sinful man through atonement and sacrifice and through the shedding of blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Now your sins need to be um sent away from your life amen uh, the problem with sin is that once it's in your life you can't remove it there's nothing you can do to get rid of sin you know the first thing most people do trying to get rid of sin is they get rid of people well y'all all presbyterians or what we got this morning, huh? Isn't that true? So, and this is this is why that's so easy to do sometimes. We look at our situation, and we know that there's a, a sin has tied us to something we can't get away from. And instead of seeing it as sin, as an act that got us in some kind of trouble, and we need a supernatural something to get us out of it, we'll go to the next best thing that we think caused us trouble, and that's usually another human being. Amen? You know, people, I I work with people, uh, you know, in, in the secular world, and, you know, there was always somebody running to the boss behind somebody's back, you didn't like the way they talked to you. You didn't like the way they looked to you. Then when we got in the church, the same thing in the church. You know, you don't like the way somebody looked at it. They didn't speak to you. They, you know, it's just... And see, what it is, is there's something hanging over your soul that's causing you to look cockeyed at everybody. So instead of you dealing with you, we project out and start trying to deal with people, eliminate people out of our lives. Well, I'll go to the YMCA and give this message. Huh? See, we're talking about why blood, right? I ain't meddling with nobody. I'm just talking about why blood. And see, the reason I can give that example is because everybody's guilty. Huh? Have been guilty. Still get guilty every now and then. We lapse into our old ways and want to start digging up nonsense. Amen. And so we need blood to purge us. See, it's not like you need to purge people from your life. You need to purge sin from you. 
You need to purge sin and selfishness, self-consciousness, self-righteousness, self-exaltation self and self-loathing. You can go at a, from uh, zero to 150 in 10 seconds from being on top of the world to being the lowest form of humanity. Huh? And it's all because of the need for blood. See, you need something that can come into your life and show you what it is that's bugging you and root that out and eliminate it from you. So you can go and live a sin-free life and you're not making up a happy thought to keep you. Huh? So this is, you need something beyond a happy thought. You need something that digs deep into your soul and can root out the root of difficulty in your life. That's why blood. Only another life given for your life can do that, folks. And it has to be a life that's totally spilled out on your behalf. And you accept that atonement. And then you agree to walk in the newness of life. That's the only way this is going to happen for you. You've got to let go of the old, pick up the new, never to go back to the old again. Amen? And so when you find yourself hankering for something, you've got to figure out what that is that you're desiring. You don't want to start being a problem for yourself or for other people, but you want to get yourself to the place where you recognize the power of the blood in your own life. To do what you need to have done to cleanse you and to purify you and to help you. Amen. And, and and when we start understanding that, there is such a freedom that comes with the access that you have to the blood and all that it provides for you that you'll never go back to living life the old way. You'll never go back to grabbing excuses for your faults and grabbing uh, 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 difficulties in life and handling them the wrong way and all this kind of stuff. You'll be quick to grab onto the atonement. You'll be quick to repent. You, it'll be such a good experience on a continual basis that you don't have to live discouraged about yourself. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in doubt. You don't have to live any of those places that you will quickly run to repentance in the blood. See, this is what God wants from his church, folks. He doesn't want all this, you know, I don't even know what to describe some of the stuff you see and you hear coming from people in life. But but everybody wants to give us a quick, easy fix on everything. Ten-minute prayer. Uh, five minutes with Jesus. You know, this is... We're supposed to live with him, live in him, live through him, let him live through us. This is the new life. It's never to go back to the old again. And everything that you do is to cling to him and cling to the new life. And the blood is an essential part about that. It's so essential that we recognize the cleansing, atoning, forgiving, giving, empowering, properties of the blood of jesus so that we can live the kind of life he wants us to live it cannot be done without blood 
most of us tried religion already. And we realized it didn't work. But you know sometimes it gets to be your favorite binky in your closet. When you run it, when you think this way of Christ is too difficult for you to shock you what you will cling to from your past. You go buy your, forget your religious binky. Huh? Try to figure out which, where you put that rosary. <laughs> where that stash my emergency? Huh? <laughs> Just a thought. So why blood? Amen. First thing in blood is it cleanses us. Amen. Romans 3.25, if you'll turn there. And uh, Shannon, I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to look at our new business. Pastor Shirley says she really enjoys it. Yeah, where you put the, I don't know what you're putting up there on the screen, but we love it. Yeah, we just, just do your thing, girl, do your thing. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, Romans 3, what did I say, 25? It says here, wow, 21, but now the righteousness of God outside of the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe, there's no difference. For all have sinned. Amen. We all need the blood. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation payment through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So really what it's saying here is that God set forth our redemption and the propitiation means it's a total payment. And we must have faith and confidence in that. You have that faith and confidence that Jesus paid full price for all your sins. Past, present, and future. So that you're not trying to do this yourself. See, once you get into the freedom that he paid for it, and really get into that freedom, you'll quit trying so hard. And quit being so frustrated when you think you failed. Because if we carry this thing around us, with us like this, every time something goes wrong in our lives, we'll be running around trying to fix it up ourselves, making excuses to people, telling people all kinds of stories. We're not supposed to live like that. That's the law. Amen. That was before Christ. That's totally by works. And as crazy as it sounds, we all flip into it. So easy to get your mind back on what did I do wrong? How did I fix this? How do I what this what's wrong? What I don't do anything to anybody, why they mess with me. But when you live in the freedom of his shed blood, then you'll know, ooh, he did this for me. 
he he did this so that I could never be separated from him again. See, sin tries to separate you from God if you let it. If you get back up under the blood, though, it won't separate you. But you got to humble yourself to do it. And you're like, God, I messed up again. Here I am again. But you know what? I'm asking you to forgive me, and I know your blood has cleansed me right now from all unrighteousness. I'm not waiting until I feel better about myself to think I'm cleansed. I'm cleansed now from all unrighteousness. The minute you confess, the Bible says he won't let you just sit up there and run your mouth. He's faithful and he's just to forgive you. So you're not just running your mouth telling everything and begging forgiveness to no avail. Only a faithful and just God forgives you immediately and cleanses you from every trace of unrighteousness. Nothing left undone. So why blood? Because blood made it a total work. Past, present, and future sins. I'm not planning to sin. None of us are. Huh? Nobody is. Huh? (laughs) But when we do, 1 John says, we have an advocate with the Father. You got a built-in lawyer. He lives inside of you. He pleads your case before the throne. Father, I paid for this one. Oh, yeah, she a hot mess right now, but we go forgive her. Amen. <laughs> You're not as much of a mess as you think you are. Amen. <laughs> Nor are you as cool as you think you are either. You just put it all down, okay? Just be normal. It's just be normal. Just be normal. Amen. He loves you anyway. Amen. See, if we can meditate on that for, you know, at least a few hours. See, when I say hours, people clock out. Well, you think this is a 10-minute meditation? Listen, them yoga people require more than that. Plus, you got to have your legs all folded up funny. Huh? <laughs> so he has made he he has cleansed us with his can somebody stop whatever that is, please. Don't torture me. Thank you, Lord. God set him forth. Jesus' purpose was in this. He set him forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. You must have, Jesus had faith in his blood and you must have faith in it too. That that blood is all that's necessary. It's not the blood plus something. That blood is all that's necessary to pay for your, to remit your sins, to send your sins away from you. And this happens through the forbearance of God. In other words, it's the mercy of God. And it's the plan of God for your sins to be totally remitted and sent away from you. 
Now, if Jesus sent them away, why do we sit up and stew and worry? You understand what I'm saying? Of course, now the devil takes pretty good notes on your life. And he's very, very capable and willing to keep bringing it back up to you. And if you'll entertain him, you'll lose the impact of the remission of sins in your life. See, you can't afford to entertain anything except what's good and pure and lovely of good report, praiseworthy and thank. That is after you have confessed your sins. You can't just have a happy thought here and be full of nonsense. You got me? You know, you, you gotta do the thing right. You gotta understand how to apply the blood to your life, to your conscience, to your walk, to your thoughts, to every part of you because Jesus paid for every part of you to be cleansed and to be free. So the blood cleanses us. It pays the penalty for sins and it also purges our sins to the cleansing of your conscience so that you can serve God confidently. Let me look at 1 John 3 and see what that, because I think I really want to go to Hebrews, but let me look at 1 John 3, first of all. John, 1 John I do want to go over to Hebrews. <clears throat> Hang on a sec. I think it's Hebrews chapter either six or nine. Nine. Okay, I'll go here first. <clears throat> Nine eleven. It says here, but Christ being become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands. That is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. For us, now, redemption was purchased for us. Amen. Not for him. Amen. Redemption was purchased for us. Now, let me, let me try and explain something to, to you. Turn over to Hebrews 13 real quick for me. I'm going to leave this right here and come back. I could get Don Lemon to watch this for about 10 minutes. He gets straightened out, but he didn't go watch nobody really preach. But he made a stupid statement. Jesus was not perfect. Amen. You see how evil people are and how twisted they are? 
Because when you start picking at God, poking out God, you've gone too far. Now, if you want to live as a sinner, live as a sinner. But don't start trying to pull God down because of where you abide. In Hebrews 13 and verse 20, it says, Now the God of peace that brought up again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do his will. It says here that Jesus was brought up from the dead through his own blood. The blood of his covenant, his everlasting covenant. He was brought up from the dead by his own blood. But his was not redemption. Ours was redemption. We had to be purchased back. He didn't. He was sinless. So how did his blood bring him up? He's not brought up the same way we're brought up. We both ascend. He ascended from hell. And went on high to be seated at the right hand of the Father forever. But he wasn't brought up through redemption. Huh? (laughs) How was he brought up? He was brought up through the power of the sinless life. He was brought up through his own power that he lived sinless as he walked this earth. The same spirit that raised him from the dead now dwells in us. We got it through redemption. He got it because death couldn't hold him because death was not as powerful as he was. So even in his crucified state, he overpowered the powers of darkness But his own blood brought him up because there was nothing in his blood to hold him in there. So he was brought up out of the depths of hell by his own blood because it passed every test of purity and there was no qualification to keep him down in there. So that meant that that blood passed the test and it covered the mercy seat on our behalf. Amen? Because there was no challenge to it by the power of darkness. That's why he was able to spoil principalities and powers. You know the devil is broke, toothless, spineless, in a in a permanent vegetative state. Huh? Everything that he stole has been stripped from him. God's just waiting for believers to realize that the devil has no power over them as individuals. I'm not talking about a whole bunch of people waiting for some money to drop in their laps. But I'm talking about you and your personal life and your prayer life to declare that the enemy has no power over you. When we start doing it as individuals, then maybe we can move as an army. But it don't take ten of us to make up our minds to take our stuff back from the devil to start getting it. Jesus said he made an open show. His blood made an open show of the devil 
and all his imps and demons. Which means they all know in their realm they have no power. So that's why they sit about triple time, double time, trying to convince believers that they can do something to them. Oh, you can't do that. Look at what you did. Oh, yeah, you know, you can't do that. No, you don't want that. No, no. Well, devil, I'm getting it anyway because you ain't got it. Huh? It's mine for the having. He don't own it either. That's why you can take it away from him so quickly and so easily. You want to prosper, you start beating up on the devil when you see him stealing. He'll leave you alone. He'll leave your stuff alone. So Jesus' blood brought him self up from hell. Amen. Through the the Father's power, he he submitted himself to the will of the Father. That's how you get everything right in your life, is to submit yourself to the Father's will. Or after he said, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit, it was a done deal. The show was on. Went down in hell and stripped preached to the souls that were, were in paradise. They heard the gospel. They Those souls were set free. Graves opened in the town of Jerusalem. The saints that had died in the bosom of Abraham were walking the streets now. It was an interesting time. Much more interesting than what we're living through right now. Amen. It was an interesting, glorious time. So his own blood did that. Powerful blood. Extremely powerful. That's why a lot of times people want to take blood songs out of the hymnals. and You know, not that we have hymnals, but, you know, a lot of times you'll have to dig around to find songs that talk about the blood of Jesus. They don't really write them anymore. These, you know, newer musicians and songwriters, they want to have something hip and slick and, you know, something catchy and, Got a good hook to it. Why don't you hook yourself on to Christ through his blood? Amen. And that'll take you on a ride you won't forget. Acts twenty twenty eight says that he purchased us with his own blood. So the blood actually is spiritual currency. There's a transaction that's made. With the blood of Jesus that no other blood can make. Acts 20, 28. It says, take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the flock of the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. The people of God don't belong to the ministers. They belong to God. God just makes us overseers. But he has purchased each and every one of us with his own blood. 
Now, why was a purchase necessary? Why was purchase necessary? Well, if you think about it, we were free in the garden until the devil came in and deceived the woman. And the man entered, the Bible says he entered with her into the transgression. So it's like a, that's a marriage. That's what you call a marriage. Where one goes, the other one goes. And so he wouldn't have had any inclination to leave her. He was under a vow. Not like most people we know running around now. Amen. You can vow to three different living people till death do you part. You know, people, people come in and say, we need counseling. I want to say, honey, you need a remake. You need to get really saved. Well, see, I, um, uh, I, I, I want to, uh, get, get married. And, well, who else you married to that's living? I ask him, did you meet any of it? See, this is, this is the essence of everything. Do you really mean till death do you part? If you didn't mean any of them, don't do this one. Wait till you can get sincere about something before you make another flimsy vow. Because you really don't know what you're doing. So you need to go and take some, go get your good book on marriage by somebody who keeps that Bible open and can teach you what it's all about. So you'll know it's not to show your friends nothing. Or your haters either. (laughs) True. Everybody trying to show somebody something. All you really show is how crazy you are. You know, you'll play, play with stuff that ain't holy. Why are you going to grab something that God considers honorable and holy and then go play with that so you show somebody something? So the purchase was necessary so that God could have ownership of us once again. See, we had to be purchased out of the power of darkness. Amen. So that we can come out from under Satan's dominion. Because before Christ, everything that you did wound up in the same dark place. I don't care how good your intentions were, how hard you worked at something, how badly you tried to make it be right, be nice, and be the right thing. It always wound up down the same dark alley of failure or disappointment. Or something's wrong somewhere. You never know how long you go hold on to it. All that kind of stuff. And so we need it because we were blinded by the deception. We thought we were operating in light. <laughs> and so a purchase had to happen. You know what a purchase is? It means that nobody can come and cash in on you again. So we were purchased out of the devil's power. See, we couldn't have come any other way except by purchase. 
you couldn't just come like halfway out and oh maybe god owns me today and maybe not maybe i do my own thing today and and it's okay and uh uh-uh you've been purchased which means that nothing else works for you nothing but what the blood has purchased for you works for you and it works in accordance with with the counsel of god's will he'll have to ask your permission you've been bought This purchase was not even your business. You had nothing to do with this. If we had had something to do with it, it'd be wrecked again. I don't think it's necessary to do all that, you know, if you say. The purchase really means that you have no rights to your life anymore. That was the only way you were going to come out of sin. Is that God had to have the rights to keep pulling you out of it every time you get back into it. I'm going to say it again. See, the purchase means it's like... uh, um, Miss Nola, I'm going to purchase that phone of yours, so let me have it. See, now it belongs to me. Amen. Now, she may want to borrow it, but it's not up to her to borrow it from me. It's up to me to let her have it back because I purchased it. It's my property. And this is the way we are in God. You don't ask for your nothing. You understand what I'm saying? You ask for what's permitted. You ask for what's on your plate today. You ask for what he allows for you today, but you can't determine you want that back now. You have no say in it. And you agreed to it when you got saved. What we're living in now is what I call the fine print. We like the big picture. Ooh, I'm saved. I'm church girl i'm gonna go i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that what's gonna be different for me oh and i can pray i can get all the stuff i need god to provide jehovah doc my you know great sisters yeah all them songs they just run through your head all day long till you get ready to want something that god doesn't want for you see and there the song just went off the uh Right. See, there's a a following Christ that his blood demands. His blood demands you follow him. His blood speaks, follow me, forsake everything else, and I'll give you a new life. Learn how to obey my kingdom rules, and I'll give you a new life. But the new life is in obedience to me. It's found no place else. So you can't unpurchase yourself once you've been purchased by his blood. That's the highest price ever paid, never required for anything. That's why you can't get it back. What are you going to pay on top of that? What are you going to pay that's going to outdo the blood of Jesus? Huh? Not your own blood. It doesn't even qualify. It didn't qualify to save you. How's it going to qualify you to outbid God? 
but yet many people want their lives back. Huh? People out here, they want to do things that they know church people would disdain if they saw it and if they knew about it. So they run around and hide and do their little stuff. Pretty soon they're back in the world, don't even know how they got in the world. They'll sit up one day and think, I used to be in church. I used to have peace. I used to have a little ministry. I used to have this. I used to have that. Don't have a clue how they got out there. Well, how are you going to get back in? Same way you got in the first place. But it's much harder once you turn your back because then the forces of hell are after you 24-7 telling you how no good you are and you shouldn't be doing this and you ain't got no business expending the church people you know they don't halfway like you no way. Hmm? <laughs> they jealous of you. You know. Hey, we all wear the same t-shirt. Huh? Gifted, no apologies. We got the same t-shirt on. Everybody can wear the t-shirt. So let us not get carried away with our giftedness. <laughs> so we've been purchased. The purchase was necessary. Why? Because God means to keep us this time. He's not going to lose us twice. Amen. So the purchase is definitely necessary. Once you're purchased, you are not your own anymore. You no more have authority to um, say no to God or make plans for what something you want to have done in life. All this guy, you better check in and see if that's on his agenda. <laughs> I can tell you a lot of things we assume God wants for us. He ain't thinking about. You understand what I'm saying? He, <laughs> nope. That's not what you're about anymore. That used to be you, but that ain't you no more. You better find out who you really are. It'll shock most of us who we are. Reconciliation is necessary part of the blood atonement. To reconcile means to pay up a debt. Show a zero balance. No debts anymore. When you reconcile books, that means that what what is expended is the same thing as what was put in. If you have a checking account, you reconcile and make sure all the checks you wrote and all the little EBT debits or who was EBT, that's something different. But, you know, your uh, debits and all that kind of stuff, your fast cash withdrawals, you make sure all of those add up when you add them up. You got enough, you put enough in to cover what's there. So God's covered our debts. He's covered all of that for us. Even in the now, with our little sloppy bookkeeping and our, you know, you don't woe out the keys on that little number you keep checking to see what you got in there. Then you want to fuss at the little message on there that tells you how much you got. Huh? <laughs> oh, you might as well laugh is the truth. I mean, there is a better way to do your own bookkeeping. I know most people aren't into it. They like doing that little thing. 
let me ask you this. Have you ever been surprised at the amount was more than you thought it was? Most people don't have that experience. Usually what makes you go and dial that number is you scared you on the, <laughs> on the low end. How you can get a good answer and all that fear is beyond me. But God is so merciful. When he says he pays your debts, he pays your debts. Amen. Even your crazy debts. Amen. Amen. So we said the blood cleanses and it purges. Let's go back to where were we? Hebrews 9, was it? Okay. Okay. Hebrews 9. Under the old covenant, the priests went into the, on the day of atonement once a year, they went into the holiest of all with blood to cover the congregation. In fact, they would sprinkle all of the elements of the tabernacle table with blood, and they would also sprinkle blood toward the congregation. The ones that stood out there in the outer courts would be sprinkled with blood to demonstrate the power of the blood of Jesus that was to come. That was part of it. But also that was the one day during the year when the sins of the congregation were confessed and they made sacrifice and offering. And that was the day that your sins were sent away from you and you had evidence that they were sent away. And so that was a shadowing of what would come in Christ when our sins would be sent totally away from us forever. Theirs had to be done once every year because by the time the next year rolled around, people had backslidden, fallen away, all that. So God would gather them back together once a year, said, oh, I don't care where you are and what you did. Come on back in here. This is a, you know, a free day. Everybody gets off today. We make this sacrifice and we make this offering and we come before the holy place so that this high priest can offer up this offering for the sins of the whole congregation. Now you can go to God by yourself with your own sins anytime you need to. You don't have to wait for uh, uh, the confessional to open up. You understand what I'm saying? So you can go in there and tell some more lies. Well, you're confessing to a man. That makes a big difference. If you really feel like you're confessing to God, there's something different. But you need to know what this blood has, has provided for you. So the high priest, the blood that they offered really could only go so far. It went for a year and then it expired. Don't go that long, okay? Don't go that long. Verse 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come. They talked about the Old Testament sacrifices, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that's the one in heaven at the mercy seat 
at the throne room of the Father, where the Son sits at the right hand of the Father on high. He says, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, not every year, not every day, but eternal blood works differently. It does a one-time job for everything. So you don't have to keep looking for Jesus to come and make another sacrifice for you. He's made an eternal sacrifice. I know you don't feel real good having to keep confessing your sins, but keep doing it. It'll feel like a good thing after a while. You'll be thankful for it after a while. See, our attitude about it and our our um, feelings about it make no difference whatsoever. This blood is effective over your feelings of unworthiness. It's effective over your feelings of why did I do this? It's effective over your feelings of how come I'm the, the one that's already always getting in trouble? It's effective over all of that. So see, none of that makes any difference to God because the blood is still there waiting to cleanse you if you'll confess and quit skirting around the thing and trying to act like you you know you don't have any problems we all come to Christ cuz we got problems after you come to Christ you realize you got so many problems you don't even know what to do so then you start throwing yourself on the mercy of the court see his blood speaks mercy I don't care how many times you confess the same sin. Keep confessing it. God don't care. I don't care. You shouldn't care either. This isn't some contest to see who can go the longest without sinning. Seriously? He says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Woo! Yeah, he entered in one time. All of this annual stuff is over. God said, I didn't really delight in that anyway. You know, I'm just teaching y'all how sinful you were and how much you need my son when he shows up. That's what that was for. He says, once for the holy place, having obtained, he already obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, when did that happen? Having obtained eternal redemption for us. He already got that. I mean, it wasn't just when he walked into there and put that blood on there. Well, he was slain before the foundation of the world. So he was just walking through what he'd already promised. Amen. Because he gave his word to do it before the foundation of the earth that made it set in eternal stone, so to speak. It was already set as an eternal promise before he even went to the cross. So that it was a no fail deal from the jump. Amen. He wasn't going to fail at this. Even though his his posse played him. Everybody left him. Judas is, you know, well, he wasn't that close to him anyway. You know, he did his part. 
all of this stuff transpired. And Jesus was able to just walk through everything by faith and by trusting his relationship with the Father. And this is why he gave up everything for us so that we could partake of that same trust relationship with the Father. See, without shedding of blood, you can't trust God. Most people... You know, people you tell about the Lord and they don't want him, they're scared God is looking for them to do something to them. They're not friends with God. And so you can't, without the blood atonement, you can't even be a friend to God or think kindly about him. You're always wondering if he's... And see, when sin enters your life, it'll do the same thing to you. You'll be wondering... Oh, God, I know I, I should have done this and I should have done that. You'll be looking for That's why we're so quick to, to find fault with ourselves if we have to wait for things we're praying for. Because there's always that hangover. I call it the sin hangover. Where we think somehow God's reneged on his word not to punish us for our sin. See, punishment was taken on Jesus so that you didn't have to take it. But see, that's not good enough for some of us, so that's why we like to torment ourselves a little bit. Like to punish ourselves a little bit, you know, what we do wrong. I just don't deserve God to be this good to me. We know that already. You know, that's been established so many times already in so many different situations. So let's get beyond that. huh? See, married people know better. Huh? How many married people you say, I just don't deserve you. Really? See, you got skin on like you do? You deserve each other. Huh? But many times, if we don't let the blood really do its work in us, we have this hangover of unworthiness. We can't get beyond. The devil reinforces it. He'll have people bring it up to you on a regular basis. Amen. Just to remind you. So it says here, he's already obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. So the Israelite could only have his flesh purified. His heart was never involved in it. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. There's Jesus' purification again. Don Lemming. Uh, Offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So, in order for you to feel worthy to serve God or worthy to do a work for God, you've got to have some work done in you first. And that's what the blood does. It purges your conscience. That means it gets every little trace 
of guilt, every little trace of self-pity and discouragement. It has to, to vacuum all that stuff out of your brain. So it goes through and it purges every nook and every cranny, every corner. Remember the uh, the old uh, uh, Old Testament where they would have uh, um, uh, the before the day of the Passover, and they would go through the house. You know, you're supposed to have unleavened bread in there. They would go through and get all the leaven out of the house, and they would sweep in the corners of every cupboard and make sure we our spring cleaning came from that, which nobody does anymore. But that's another story. But anyway. Uh, in, in, in that was when, when the uh, uh, people heard this scripture, that's what they thought. <gasps> Purging like we used to do with the go to get all the leaven out. That means anything of the enemy that could foul up my life, he purged it out of there. That's why you can go through and serve God confidently. You know, somebody say, well, uh, well, Raja, I want you to stay after a little bit and help us tidy up around here. And you can just get up and do it. Before you got saved, you couldn't do that. Not even, I'm, I'm talking nothing for God. Your conscience was, why did she tell me? Why is she, why, how come I got it? What? You see what I'm saying? But see, when he purges your conscience from dead works, that means sin, and all the things misgiving and t- being taken advantage of, and they don't like me, and that's why they give me this to do, and that they don't recognize who I am. See, those are dead works lurking in your. But your conscience has been purged. Well, I still have thoughts like that. Well, you got to believe that scripture. You got to put that to the faith work in your heart. God, you say my conscience is purged. I want it to be real. I want that to be real, a reality for I don't want my conscience bugging me. About why they making me do this and why am I, why am I being told what to do? See, you can't serve God freely if your mind does that every time a saint of God approaches you with something to do for God. I mean, how can we get anything done in God's kingdom if we don't have that purging from dead works? I tell people, I say, why don't you just obey God anyway? And maybe your brain will go along with what your arms and legs are doing. I mean, there's not, there's more than one way to skin a cat than give it cream. You understand what I'm saying? Just do it anyway and see if your brain will let you, because you know, your, your hands and your feet can teach your brain something about you that it didn't know before. That's what faith is all about. Faith acts like it's so before it's so. Lord, I hope she don't ask me to do nothing because every time it does, my brain just goes crazy telling me that this ain't right. You got me? It happens to everybody. So we've got to learn how to let our consciences be purged from dead works. I know when you were in the world, but you ain't in the world no more. Check in. To the throne room. Check in by way of the atonement. Check in to what God has for you. He'll take those same things you resented doing as an unbeliever. 
and make you the most uh, sought after Christian in the world. Look at Mother Teresa. That woman could go anywhere, kings and potentates and presidents and would stay on a waiting list for when she could come around and visit them. And when she came into their presence, they offered her a blank check for her work that she did. And what did she do? She pulled dying people off the streets in India because God told her that he wanted everybody that's dying should have a clean bed to die in. And that's how she started a ministry. Oh, well, I didn't think nuns could be in charge. Yeah, this shows you what you know. She did it anyway. She didn't listen to what anybody told her. She overrode that with the purpose of God in her life. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, people say things like, well, do you think women should suppose a preach? I said, honey, that's not my battle. Huh? That's not my fight. My wrestling against principalities and powers and imps like you trying to get me involved in something that ain't my business. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? I would not waste my time. <laughs> so. Not only is your conscience purged from dead works, but divine life starts coming into your soul. You start receiving little doses of the mind of Christ. You start thinking like Jesus did. See, instead of feeling resentful when when a, a saint of God gives you a job to do for God, the blood will cause you to consider it an honor and a holy thing, and something that's going to elevate your life. So this new purging of your conscience from dead works so that divine life comes in and you can start serving the living God without stopping, without hindrance. You don't go park your car and try to decide if you want to do this next thing that you've been instructed to do. You just keep going. And you look eagerly toward the next thing to do. Not so you can get, it's not like, I'm so instead, I'm so, you know, you little misers. It's supposed to be a lifestyle. Your life is a seed. Are you kidding me? You're not sowing seeds. I'm sowing seeds. God going to give me something big. Your life is a seed. You need to just sow it, bury it, and get it over with. Verse 15, and for this cause he is the mediator. Of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must of necessity be the death of the testator. 
for a testament is a force after men are dead otherwise it's of no strength so if i told uh shannon i'm going to leave her my my uh, favorite piece of jewelry after i after i pass away she can't come up to me looking for it while i'm living you understand what i'm saying that just ain't right that's why you don't tell people what's in the will except god does it amen Amen. Amen. So, so Jesus provides a better sacrifice than they did under the Old Testament. His was eternal, which means that anything you receive by virtue of his shed blood lasts forever. In other words, God never gets tired of forgiving you. God never gets tired of renewing your blessings in your life. He never gets tired of wiping the slate clean. And giving you everything back again after you squandered it and thrown it away and trampled it under feet. Huh? It's amazing. What, what the everlasting quality of this covenant will do in our lives if we will understand it and let it work for us. But not only that, the forgiveness side, but on the faith and grace side. Once we start stepping into obedience through the grace of God, amen, then we are able to live a life that's not so caught up in trying to fix or get God to fix everything for us all the time. So that's when a purged conscience is very, very valuable. Because you can go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing in serving God and never have a stop in your life where you got to stop and say, oh, I feel bad about this or I shouldn't have done that. Or you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to live the life of a mess up forever. Because once you get in that flow of the grace of God and the faith of God and start putting things before God through his word and start understanding, you know, God, I got to back up here. And wait for you to direct me in this thing because I know you have an answer for me. See, once you learn how to abide in the patience of God and abide in the love of God and abide in his kingdom instead of scrambling and scrounging for every little thing that you need here on earth. Then you'll start to understand what it really means to have a a conscience that's purged from dead works. You just look for one new thing in God to do to the next. You look for the next great adventure in God. You look for the next thing that God will tell you to do. You look for the next thing that God has for you without stopping. We're not supposed to stop serving God because we don't have certain answers to prayer. We're not supposed to stop and hold our breath because we want certain things and we haven't gotten them yet. We're not to do that. When your conscience is purged from dead works, you don't even consider anything's wrong. If you're waiting, you're waiting. Amen? Waiting is a part of life anywhere. And so once we understand it and see what happens is if there's a stop or a lull or or something the enemy can grab onto to make you doubt, then he pulls you out of living by faith. 
pull you over into doubt. Why isn't this happened yet? I'm so sick of this. I don't know what to do. I get tired of my whatever it is, you know, in-laws, outlaws, co-workers, whoever. They're so sick of them. See, when you start thinking like that, you've already moved yourself out of faith. And you've moved yourself over into doubt. And then your conscience is all clogged up again. I wonder why I can't get this done. I'm going to try this a little bit harder. Maybe I need to fast. I said, no, that ain't right because I don't like not eating my burgers. I'd just be a hypocrite if I tried that. But I'm going to try me some. huh? See, that's a conscience with dead works. Because all we're thinking about is one thing to try and rush it through. Amen. You know, women, I would have worked in maternity, women would get into the eighth month. They started, especially somebody, the first, first mom, you know, running the hospital every five minutes. They just want it over with. It's close. And they think they can push any time. You tell them it don't work like that. You got to wait until the push is upon you. Oh, you know, but you get used to it. And that's the way we have to be about the things of God. You gotta wait until the push is upon you. You just can't push any. You go, oh God, I know if I, I just rush this on through. See, I know I can get this prayer through real quick. Huh? Your conscience has already got dead works in there. That's a dead work. Thinking you're gonna rush God. Because when you trust God, time means nothing to you. The only reason you're looking for more time is you want to do more for him. Huh? He'll prolong time long enough to keep you close to him. Part of this, your waiting, is really because of your impatience. He's teaching you how to live a life of patience, folks. I don't have no choice. Well, you be joyful about it. (laughs) Change your attitude. Act like you enjoy it. Anyway, amen. Nothing you can do about it. You can't twist his arm, make you give him, make him give you something. Amen. So the blood cleanses. We said that purges our conscience from dead works, so we can serve the living God. You don't have to have a guilt hanger over a condemnation and an accusation hangover. When somebody tells you to do something for God, or when God tells you he wants you to do something for him, you don't have to, your man doesn't have to go through all that. All you need to do is say yes and amen. Pray in the Holy Ghost whatever you need to do to get peace, and let his peace prevail and help you. Amen. The blood gives us access to the throne room. Ephesians 2, 13 and 3, 12. Ephesians. Access, access, access. You think what the uh, the Hebrew thought because he had to stand, the average Hebrew had to stand out in the outer court and just hear about what God was doing in the Holy of Holies. Now we have access. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off because of sin, you were far off from God. 
are made nigh or made close by the blood of Christ. His blood, this blood, the shed blood, beckons you to come close. Amen. You know, sometimes you can spend a a life of, I don't know how to say it. Sometimes we think we don't have to stop and ask God about every little thing kind of thing. You know, he's like, well, okay, I, I know to do this. I know to do that. I know to do that. And so I don't have to ask God, you know, should I, should I do this for my family or should I do? We just go off on a kind of like on a roll. And then sometimes God will cause a glitch to happen in our role. And it'll stop us. And we'll think to ourselves, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's just been waiting for you to check in. He don't want you to get so busy, caught up. And even though he's, he's not sin and it's not wrong, you're not being bad. But this is a sin of omission. There's all kinds of sins. There's sins of commission, sins of omission. I remember when God gave us that prophecy of if we would praise him more, he would do more for us. And, and to my religious soul, this is what came to me. God, I don't, you don't have to do anything for me. He said, would you shut up and tell people what I told you to do? Get a grip on yourself, girl. Huh? He wouldn't tell us if it weren't necessary. So I found myself getting very motivated all of a sudden to praise God more. Huh? Because of the promise. Because if it was so normal and natural for me to just praise him anytime, just keep my praise on my lips. All the, I would yet praise. I heard of a yes praise. Huh? If that were so like automatic for me. Why did I start praising him more after he promised he would do more? Huh? Because I'd be stupid not to. Well, God, it's just a shame. You've got to bribe your people. Shut up and tell them people what I told you. Huh? Yeah. He'll pay us off for worshiping him. I thought, oh, God, I feel so small. He said, that's what it's for, to keep you small. Huh? Remind you how much you need to depend on me, how much my very uh, presence in your life is necessary just to keep you with the basics in life. Because your even basics will slip away from you if you don't contact God. We're to live a life of faith through the presence of God. We have access now where we can get close to him. We don't have to run off and do everything to check in with him, see if he, if he's mad at me or if he's not mad at me. See, living at a distance, just peeking in every now and then, seeing, you know. He ain't done, he ain't said nothing to me. I guess I'm okay. Huh? We're not to live like that. Because of the blood, if you would spend time Thanking God that your sins are forgiven. Thanking God that you're a new creature. Thanking God you don't have the same appetites and desires 
that you had when he found you. Thanking him for the power of the blood in your life. And you begin to draw near to him. Then you'll have that continual access where there's no breach in your relationship. There's no trouble there. There's no uh, slipping away where the enemy can put you in a snare and pull you over onto his side. There's none of that. And see, he was, he said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, go and do what you want to do and check in every now and then and see if I'm mad at you or not. He wants to have access to us and we have access to him at all times. We bless him at all times. Why? So that he can be near us. Praise makes him come near, lets him know we want him in our lives, makes us feel welcome with him. Praise allows his presence to be imminent at all times. If you don't want his presence around, you better check yourself. Huh? He wants to be near. I was thinking, I remember years ago, we, uh, when the camps and I were, you know, we, they lived with me for a number of years. And so Rachel, we always had her bless the table. And she carried an anointing just from doing, what do you call it? The, the, what you call it? The meal. Cause I remember when she would sit at, at the table, we'd all be saying, Rachel, come on, Rachel, come on, Rachel. And Rachel would sit down, the Holy Ghost would show up. And we all shut up. You got me? Quit bugging her about coming to the table. (laughs) But because he's invited on a continual basis, he will take that place and occupy that place. And even children will will cause him to occupy that place. He's no respecter of person. He will do these things. So why blood? That's one of the, that's a few of the reasons why blood, but we'll, we'll do some more. I, I think we can, can understand a whole lot about, this is so important for us to understand. Appreciate the blood, respect the blood, and, and let him see the blood covering your life at all times. Amen? We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Did I make it? Oh, good. Cool. Well, Father, I thank you. Bless their people. Thank you, Lord, that we are healed. Every single one of us, from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, we are healed. And we bless you, Lord.